Welcome to the Great American Collectibles Show, heard Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on PSA.com and the PSA Facebook page. The Great American Collectibles Show is brought to you by PSA and the National Sports Collectors Convention. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all of your hobby news, features, and more, visit sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now, your hosts, Tom Zappala and John Mallory. JM, my main man. What's going on, brother? What's up, buddy? How you doing? Good. Petroselli uh, leaving today. I got a text from him. He's leaving to I- come back home? or He's heading home. Yep. He's on I-95. Nice. Uh, he was uh, leaving Sarasota, and he's on 95 heading north. And the weirdest thing. You know his dog, Louie? Yep. Well... They stopped to get gas <laughs> and he had Louie tied to the back of the car. Uh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The old just vacation, kidding. the old vacation thing. I know this dog, right? But Louie, I mean, Rico did tell me, he said, look it. He said, I'm trying to, he says, I'm trying to find a way to off Louie. I've had it with Louie. <laughs> Louie's about, he's about 25 years old. He's blind. He's deaf. <laughs> You you got to hear Rico talk about this poor dog. It's like it's just absolutely so amazing. So did Rico do anything with the um, training with spring training with the? I know it's abbreviated this year, but no, he was. Uh, as a matter of fact, no, he was uh, really upset about it because they canceled. Uh, they they canceled the fantasy camp. Oh yeah, that's what he always does. You know, right? and he right. and he and Fisk Fisk comes and yeah, uh, yeah, Yaz yeah. makes an appearance yep. and Tian. So they canceled fantasy camp and then. They usually have, they go in for a couple of days, you know, uh, to to talk to the minor leaguers, you know, as a roving instructor. Right. It all got canceled. So Uh, actually, that's one of the reasons he's coming home early, because he says you can only golf so much or fish so much. Right. (laughs) He's coming home. Good. But anyway, no headline today because we have a great show. First of all, you know what our headline is? Our headline is the guy that we're going to bring in right away because the national is coming up. Coming up, man. You know, I get pumped, man. Once once April hits, I get pumped. And Ellen does, too, thinking about the national. And the buzz really, really starts. So we're going to bring in first the executive director and a good friend of the show, good friend of ours, a great guy, John Brogy, the executive director of the National Sports Collectors Convention. How are you, Mr. Brogy? I'm great. How are you guys? Good, good, good. Hey, I John. see you have your Rutgers shirt on. Congratulations on the Rutgers team. Uh, making the NCAA and losing. But other than that, uh, you know. He lost to those Catholic schools up in, uh, you know, out in Notre Dame. So, yeah, I I wear all these shirts because most of them are free. I I, I get a lot of stuff from the university. So why would would I not wear it? Well, listen, I'm a... a, Go ahead. I'm Go ahead, a BC Dan. guy, so it just gives me another reason to hate Notre Dame, John. So <laughs> okay. that's a good point. But you know, Mr. I mean, John, with all due respect, you do have quite a bit of Rutgers swag. I mean, uh, that you wear uh, on a regular basis. Well, not only do I wear them, I mean, if you look around the room here, look at all this Rutgers <laughs> stuff. You know, it's it's all Rutgers. So, Johnny, since we're doing, can I ask you right off the top here? What's the? Uh, I know he's got connections with his kids, and they went there. The Bill Belichick Rutgers thing, man. Like he, it's question. like every year he's got to draft somebody from Rutgers. For whatever reason, I guess years ago when he drafted Devin McCourty, sure. uh, he, yeah. and, he and um, Greg Shiano, the coach of Rutgers, Shiano, yeah, they're tight. very yeah. friendly. Yeah. 
as you said, uh, Bill's son, and I forget his first name, was at Rutgers for a year or two as a long snapper, yeah. <clears throat> uh, yep. became a graduate assistant coach. And for whatever reason, I guess Belichick loves the preparation that Rutgers players get. He's, and I also think there's, so uh, there's that, uh, and yeah, Logan yeah. Ryan. and there's that Jersey connection, too, when, with the Giants. So, he, you know, he must know that program pretty well, you know. I'm sure he does. Yeah. I'm sure he does. So. All right, John, listen, the uh, National is uh, approaching quickly. You know, can you update us what's going on? I know, uh, you know, tell us about the ticket sales, ticket, everything. Let's walk through. Okay. Yeah, and it's coming too quickly for me. It's, it seems like the, the minute the NCAA tournament is over, I have to start working again, right. you know, all the time. I don't mind working some of the time, but, you know, working every day is, you know, not, not for an old guy like me. But um, it, it is coming around. Um, as you know, we ran probably the most successful national last year. Everybody coming off of COVID was excited to be able to get out, get to the show, uh, our attendance surpassed anything we've had in the last 30 years at the national. So um, I want to tell you that ticket sales are even ahead of that right are now. Are they really? Yeah, I bet. It's, it's, I, I just can't understand, you know, how we can sell that many tickets. There can't be that many people who want to go. Well, yeah, but John last year, and by the way, I just, I, I, I was remiss in saying after John, we have a really special show today. We have uh, Al Jergeller is going to be joining us. And Al is, is the guy is the guy in this country uh, that is not only an expert, but has a wonderful collection of Negro League player cards. But we're going to talk to Al in a few minutes. But, John, getting back to what you're saying, wasn't last year the second busiest national in the history of the national? It, it was. The attendance, the attendance surpassed everything but the 91 national in Anaheim, which is you know, called the, you know, the, the show to top them all. But uh, right now, our ticket sales in advance are ahead of what we did last year. We sold out of our super VIPs, which include a parking pass, because we just don't have room in the garage that we've we rented for the, uh, for the event. We still have VIP tickets available, which include early admission, uh, some free autographs, and a swag bag that, that is unbelievable. One of the things we've got going this year, Tom, is we've got a little bit more space in Atlantic City than we had in Chicago. So we increased the size of our corporate area and we have almost double the size. We've got companies, uh, the, the traditional companies, are there, Tops, Panini, Beckett, yeah. all, all the, the regular companies are there. But we've been able to add a lot of the new companies which have sprung up in the last couple of years, in the last year or two, actually. And... Uh, Collectors are going to just have a ball wandering around there. If they decide they don't want to be in, in the dealer area anymore, they get a little tired of that. There's stuff going on in the corporate area that is, is utterly amazing. John, can you? I want to pick up on that a little bit. The last national I was able to attend was in Atlantic City, and I thought it was great. Not only the venue itself, but the I hadn't been to Atlantic City in a few years, and it was it was wonderful. I mean, whatever you want. Obviously, it has the casinos, the boardwalk look great. They have all those uh, outlet stores there now. Uh, can you just talk about Atlantic City in terms of the venue itself, but also the city as a as a backdrop for the national? Well, it's it's become a destination city. Um, I think they realize that gambling isn't the only thing that attracts people. Yeah, they've got obviously entertainment. They've got good point. The best restaurants in 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 the area, uh, so you can find something for everybody in that area in Atlantic City. Um, it's it's a a clean city, as you said, John. It's 
Um, it's got the outlets. It's got a lot of interesting things for every member of the family. You can walk the boardwalk. You yeah. can go down eight miles on the parkway and go to the coolest amusement park area in Ocean City. It's it's just something for everybody in the area. You know, John, you hit on something uh, relative to the attendance. And I think, you know, you, you said there's a lot of new new people, new blood coming in. And I think, I think you're hitting it right on the head because, JM, we've seen it in the past. We've had the big influx of young kids again yep. over the last couple of years. And then, of course, you've got all the vintage guys that have been going there for a thousand years. Now you have this new wave of uh, uh, modern and ultra modern collectors, the hobbyists, the Gen X's, younger millennials. And these are the guys that are buying the ultra modern and modern cars that I think a lot of them have never attended the National. I think that's what the uptick is, John. Yeah, the um, the call for space in the uh, auto, uh, sorry corporate pavilion has been phenomenal and we started getting inquiries while before we left uh chicago last year really? uh, so my partner dan burkus was clever enough to negotiate some space around the convention center and uh, as i said we're going to have more corporate presence than we've had in in forever um you talked one of the things you did talk about nft I have no idea what NFT is. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. None I of thought us it was at, at first. At, at first, I thought it was a new league, but uh, <laughs> right. JM explained yeah. it to me. But but in fact, in fact, there are several companies that uh, you know are deep into this. So anybody who feels that this is their avenue to get into the collectibles industry, we will have it there for them. It's just so much that will be going on at the it's, show. It's just, it's, it's changing in front of our, our, our eyes and it's, it's all for the good. And by the way, we will, uh, with the, uh, thanks to John and uh, his staff, uh, we are going to be broadcasting from the Burka stage, I believe on Friday afternoon from one to three, I believe. I think that's the, the and uh, JM and I will be there along with Rico and uh, Rob, Rob Bertram always jumps in and helps us. Rob does a great job. And we're going to have a crazy cast of characters, including John on stage with us. So we'll, we'll have a lot of fun with that. Absolutely. I am a crazy guy. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, if people want to buy tickets, what do they have to do? Well, you can visit www.nsccshow.com. And there's a link right to buy the tickets. You print your tickets out online or, you know, put them on your cell phone. And uh, you'll be able to go to the show in July. Hey, before we let you go quickly, uh, you're a Jersey guy. Uh, tell us about St. Peter's. I mean, the the uh, uh, it was amazing what happened. But what was the what was the climate like uh, where you are? It was it was crazy. I mean, obviously, I'm in Rutgers territory, but right. I think the whole state of New Jersey was was pulling for this upstart 15th seed. <laughs> With 2,600 students, amazing to beat beat one of the blue bloods, and uh, they went further than any small team has ever gone. It was the Hoosiers of uh, college basketball. All right, John, uh, we love you, and uh, we'll talk to you obviously down the road. Hey, by the way, special congratulations to uh, one of your compadres, Ray Schulte, who is uh, going to be working a little bit with Joe Orlando and the staff at Collectibles. So, congratulations to Ray. There you go. Yep. We are right. only hired the best. I know. <laughs> Take care, John. See Thanks. you, Johnny. JM. <laughs> J good guy, huh? Broji. Excellent guy. Can't wait to see him. 
No, he is. I'm, I'm looking forward, forward to, to getting back there. Show. It's been a few years since I've been uh, been to a national, so that's yeah, good. Yeah, no, no, we have a lot of fun. And you know something? I will spring. ATS Communications will spring for dinner one night. And I'll tell you what. If I hit in the casino there like I did in King of Prussia, I will not buy dinner. <laughs> Just same, same <laughs> as King of Prussia. And I will not tell you until a week after. Right, listen, before we bring Alan, our giveaway, this is uh, – Another one of these cool, very cool uh, pictures that uh, Rico uh, signed. And this is a picture of Rico catching the pop-up from Rich Rollins that clinched pretty much for all intents and purposes, clinched a 67 Red Sox pennant. And I say this every week, this is Jim Lomborg's ass. <laughs> and behind behind Rico is Yaz jumping up and down. Yes. So that's a pretty cool picture signed by Rico. And we'll be giving that away later on from the very famous Staten Island Joe cheap bag from some museum. Oh, he bought it at the Hall of Fame and sent this to us. So we'll, we'll do that. All right. <laughs> You're listening to The Great American and watching The Great American Collectible Show. YouTube, Facebook, Pandora, Alexa. Uh, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio and WCAP up in the Boston area. We're all over the place. With that being said, let's bring in our special guest. All right. Al Jagella, uh, Negro League cards. This is the guy, the go-to guy. Welcome, Al. Hey, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Al, I mean, cool picture right behind you. Cool picture. Yeah, Very so you cool. got, yeah, uh, up there you've got a, a, a painting by uh, Greg Krindler, you know, the great artist, great artist. Yeah, amazing. And that's the 1923 24 Santa Clara. Um, uh, Leopardo's team out of Cuba it has Oscar Charleston, um, uh, Pedroso, it has uh, Dobie Moore. I mean, some of just the greats, Jose Mendez, so lots of Hall of Famers. And then behind me, a 1909 um, photograph that has Pete Hill. Um, Rube Foster, uh, Pop Lloyd. So some of the amazing Negro League greats. Very, very cool. Al, tell us a little bit about your background before we get into the actual collection and the set registry. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a, a BC grad, right? Uh, Jam. Finally, so finally, we have a man of letters on the show. Oh I've been, deal I've been God, dealing with the please. Austin Prep and whatever community college you went to for years <laughs> now. And finally, we get a real man in the studio. Well, not in the studio, but on the show. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'll, I'll let that slide. <laughs> All right. So, so, so BC uh, undergrad, then I went back to business school. I went to Penn um, and, uh, and then it was kind of like in banking and consulting, but, um, but now kind of do uh, investments in a small private equity fund. But, um, but, you know, my, my, my passion and my love has been, you know, collecting since I was a kid, really. All right. So, I mean, what made you gravitate toward Negro League cards? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like a, a confluence of events. You know, I was a, I, when I was a kid, I grew up in Southern California. Uh, I was actually born in Boston, but, but grew up in um, Southern California and would go to the card shows there and, and just happened once on a, on a table of an old gentleman. Um, his name was Lou Dials. Um, he was a, you know, Negro, former Negro League guy. And, and I just sat down and talked to him and, and, you know, he, told me all these stories of all these players that I'd never heard of, you know, I, at that point I hadn't heard of even Satchel Paige or Josh Gibson. And he would just tell me these stories. And I was taken by a number of things, right. Um, I was taken number one by 
the fact that the Negro Leagues even existed, I didn't, I mean, I knew Jackie Robinson, but I didn't really kind of know what was going on. Right. Sure. Um, and then, you know, just the, the general unfairness of the biggest, the bigotry and the racism. But what really struck me was there was no bitterness from this man. He just talked about these leagues like, you know, so fondly. It, it was, he was just the utmost gentleman and, and just telling these stories really, kind of incited a, a love of history and to learn more. And from there, I just, you know, read wherever I could and, and started to collect whatever I could, which frankly, wasn't, wasn't much that time. And I didn't have uh, much of a budget either. So, um, so that's kind of how I started. Um, and, and then it just continued through time, you know, as I read more and learned more about these great players. So, Very cool. so Al, I have a lot of questions. Uh, <clears throat> what, who made the card? Like, what companies made the cards? Where did you yeah, find I mean, so, them? Where so, do you find them? And how scarce are Negro League cards? Because I knew a lot about the Negro Leagues. I didn't even know there were Negro League cards. So yeah, talk so, about that a little bit. Yeah, so in the in the 80s and 90s, like, even Ted Williams had a set that had that highlighted some Negro League guys. But And then there was um, some sets in the 70s and 80s that kind of tried to bring back to life some of the Negro Leagues. But it, it was until the 1990s that that actually um, cards were found that were issued of these players during their playing years, right? Which makes all the difference in collectibles, right? So yeah, almost everybody wants to have a card issued in the playing year. So unfortunately, the grand total of cards issued of Negro League players playing in the Negro Leagues here in the United States is zero. Hmm. Really? I mean, yeah. Just let let that sink in for a second. It's it's, it's, it's a travesty, right? Because these leagues were great. They, they drew incredibly amazing you know, crowds. Like Kaminsky yeah. Park, right. You know, a Yankee stadium. I mean, but the economics of the fan base didn't allow for, for, you know, a lot of, you know, being issued. In fact, none. So then what we, you had to do is you had to look to, Hey, these players that played in the Negro leagues, they would also play in winter leagues or, um, in just other leagues, sometimes they'd go to Mexico or Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Cuba, uh, Dominican Republic, and they'd play in those leagues. And then some of those local companies in those countries would issue uh, cards. So they would typically be just like in the U.S., cigarette cards would be probably the most common, but also candy cards, also like the U.S., Carmel's and, and other things. So right. um, those were the two most common things. And it really kind of depends on the country where, you know, how they were issued. But it makes them, you know, exceedingly difficult to track down because you're talking about relatively poor countries. Um, you know, you're talking in places like Cuba of, you know, great distress in the in the country itself, plus the climate. Um, and then they're super small com uh, countries, so there weren't just that many uh, issued. We had chatting with Al Jergella. Uh, Negro League collector extraordinary. And by the way, a little later on in the show, we're going to bring in our good friend, uh, Scott Russell from the collector uh, connection. Um, you, you talked about when we were, you and I were talking at the very beginning, you, you collected some reprints. My question though, when you started just mentioning about other countries producing cards, are there I mean, do you have a really difficult time now, Al, finding them, or do you have all the ones that are out there? Yeah, I mean, I, I have, I would say, pretty much all of the ones that are out there that we know of, but sometimes you find an album, so many times these these uh, cards were made to 
be pasted into an album and the album could be a thousand different, you know, cards and it could be, you know, actresses, you know, movie stars, boxers, soccer players. Yep. And, um, and then, you know, you're going through this thousand page album and you're like, whoa, there's 10 baseball players are, who are they? And then half the time, the names are butchered because they're issued in Latin America, right? So they, they're phonetically sure. trying to spell these guys' names. Um, you know, here, here's kind of a fun one. This is Pete Hill, his rookie card, Hall of Famer, the only known one. And they call him Pedro, right? Instead of Pete, right? So, so you know, that, cool. that, that, that's pretty uh, common. So, you know, but, but I'd say that almost all of the pre-1940s cards of Negro Leaguers have, you know, 10 to 12 copies or less. Some, some like this Pete Hill is, is, is a one of one that have been graded by third party uh, companies like PSA. So, um, you know, I think that, that uh, they are like almost every Negro league card jam is more scarce back to your question than the honest Wagner T206 card. Very yeah. cool. We're yeah. going to take a quick break. We come back. We got a lot to chat about. Yes. Alger Geller is in the house. We're talking Negro League player and player cards. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Since 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, Mile High. Go to milehighcardco.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auction and Collectibles Company. If you're looking to maximize your return on your sports cards and collectibles, look no further. We at Memory Lane Auction House offer you several options to achieve top dollar for your collectibles. Whether you're looking to auction or sell privately, we're the number one choice with over 17 years in the hobby. Nobody will work harder to achieve your goals. Just call us today at 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or visit us on the web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Go with the best. Go with Memory Lane. This is Brian Drent, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, homeowner's insurance is all most people need. But for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a $0 deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection. How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. 
Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. Sorry, JM. <laughs> my head looked tilted a little bit, so I was trying to adjust my camera. I was like, I, it looks like I had a stiff well, You know why your head looks tilted? Because you just tilted it. Is it tilted now? <laughs> nice and straight. This is right? a this is a riveting section of the program, isn't it? All right, let's bring back Al. <laughs> you had a question for Al? Yeah, you know what? You just you just deal with your tilted head. I'll talk to Al. Uh, <laughs> we're talking with Al Jagella from the Negro League Register. Now, Al, um, I think it's one of the great travesties in the history of sports, and I don't think it's talked about enough <clears throat> that the 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 quote unquote gentleman's agreement that kept. Uh, these players out of Major League Baseball until 1947. And one of the things you mentioned is, you, you mentioned just in, in passing the crowds that were at the games. And this was also brought up in uh, Ken Burns' baseball documentary, that in, in the Negro Leagues, they did the marketing, they did the managing, they did the general managing. There were fans in the stand. Like, they were running businesses. It wasn't just that they were great ball players. Um, and I think about people who talk about steroid cheating and how statistics are skewed. And I always made the argument, well, every statistic in baseball before 1947 is skewed because they didn't let these great baseball players play. So my point. question to you is, and maybe it's a tough question to answer, do you think Major League Baseball as an organization and as a corporation over the years has done enough to showcase these Negro League players, to look back on their history, and, and in any way, shape, or form, make up for the fact that this organization, although not these modern people, banned these players for so long. Uh, hold on one second. Uh, JM, I'm assuming that you're talking about Negro League players that never made it to the majors. Yes, of course. Okay. okay. Or, or even guys like Satchel Paige, who, in, okay. well, who made yeah, it, but I mean, he was, he was 90, you know what I mean, <laughs> whatever, whatever the birth certificate said. So do you think enough has been done to to make up for it and to showcase these players, even though history now, you know, has has come and gone with time? Yeah, I mean, I don't, Jam. I don't like, either. Mm. I don't either. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I think, you know, it's, it's funny. There was a lot of stink when when Major League Baseball decided to recognize Negro League statistics. Yeah. Um, and people said, oh, well, that's not fair. They weren't really as good as the the, the white leagues. I mean, think about think about i mean number one here's a couple of things a lot of people don't think about there were plenty of times <clears throat> where these players played against major league play, uh, players that's right that's right in cuba or, i mean in cuba in 1910 which is some of the cards you know that we have you know ty cobb sam crawford eddie plank i mean that's right the the world series winners went to cuba to play exhibition games and guess what they lost a number of them yeah. right, against a, a largely African-American player. So the premise that um, that Negro League, you know, uh, players weren't good. No, they were amazing. And think about here's another fact. You know, there's an overrepresentation of um, Negro uh, African-American talent in all of our professional leagues. And, you know, back in, in pre-1947, the NBA and the NFL basically were non-factor. So if you were a great athlete, you played in the Negro Leagues as, as your main, you know. Well, look, at Jack, Jackie Robinson's a great example. I mean, he exactly. was a fantastic football player. Football player. But he chose right? to and pursue then, baseball, then, even though at the, the time he couldn't play in the majors. The right. Negro League, right. You create Willie Mays, yeah. Hank Aaron, you know, Roy Campanella, Jackie Robinson, and still most teams, even if they allowed 
players on the teams, which the Red Sox were the last ones to integrate yep. in 1959. Yep. You know, um, they there were still quotas. You, there was only a couple players per team, right? So, you know, it, it, yeah. These you know, guys you know, just. It, it, just a quick comment, Zap, before go ahead, you go. go, go. Uh, you talk about, you know, the, the, the thought and the, the mistaken thought that they weren't good enough. Well, for Ted Williams, who didn't like anybody, by the way, in his Hall of Fame speech, I believe it was, Zap, correct me if I'm wrong, say, uh, yes, it's great for me to be here, but I'm going to feel better when Negro League players are recognized by the Hall of Fame. And that was Absolutely. in whenever it was, 1960-whatever. Okay, for him to say that, it shows that they they damn sure were good enough. Go ahead, Zach. And you know, you know something, uh, uh, Al, you you hit upon something, and JM and I and Rico, we've talked about it. Um, you know, with with a lot of Boston fans, it's I look at it as kind of a black mark on the Red Sox organization, uh, going way back, um, and I think that justice was done. And I know, I, I know a lot of Red Sox fans are going to disagree with me, but when you break it down to brass tacks, JM, Tom Yockey, I think was the problem. Um, and as a result, uh, you know, Pumpsy Green was the last guy to get into the league. That's right. Correct. JM, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the Red Sox had an opportunity to sign both Willie Mays and was either Hank Aaron. I or, think it was Jackie Robinson. Or too. Jackie Robinson. Yeah. It yeah. was Jackie Robinson. Yeah. So, they had the opportunity to sign Hank Aaron. I mean, uh, Willie Mays and Jackie <laughs> Robinson at the same time. They bring in Pumpsy Green. But how long ago did they change the name of Yaki Way to? Yeah, just a couple of years ago, back to Jersey Street. To Jersey yeah. Street, you know. I, I, so, they, I mean, it's always been a, a kind of like a, a, a sore spot uh, with Red Sox fans. Now, I want to ask you a question. Though. We're talking about the talent, and we're going to get into the registry questions in a few minutes. We're talking about talent, you know, uh, with the books that we've written, Ellen and I have written, you know, we've done, we've done a lot of writing. The most recent, uh, we, you know, is coming out uh, in, in, the fall, in the summertime uh, at the National. But in your opinion, how good, and I'm going to ask you both this, how good was Josh Gibson? Yeah, I mean, he, I think you can say without a doubt, he was the most prof prolific hitting <clears throat> catcher that ever existed. So you can say that there's some differences on his, you know, on his um, defense, but just, just when you look at what he was able to accomplish, I mean, he's, he's uh, part of the problem with the Negro leagues is you've got part lore and part fact, right. Which right. I guess you kind of have that with some of the older players as well, you know, Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, but you know, the, he's rumored to hit a ball out of Yankee stadium. And he certainly has hit, you know, balls deep into the bullpen places where Mickey Mantle is the only guy to ha have, have hit them. So his power is absolutely indisputable. Did he have 800 home runs? Uh, you know, probably not, but you know, the, the, the man was just, uh, if you see pictures of him, you can, you can see, I mean, he, he was a strong, yeah. He was like strong. a, like a spot plug. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, he was just, just super strong. And, and, you know, one thing that I broke out here, is this right here is the only known um, Josh Gibson PSA certified uh, bat. Wow. Is that a game use bat? This is a game use no bat. No way. Are you kidding me? Wow. The only one that's known uh, and is certified by, by, by PSA, you know, John Taub. And, um, and it has side writing from Gus Greenlee, who was the owner 
of the team that sent him back and was in the Louisville slugger ball. Wow. So, I tell you what, that's a museum piece. Jeez. It, it really, you know, <laughs> it, it's one of the, the centerpieces of my non card collection because, you know, most Negro league hall of famers was like 40 people that are associated with the Negro league in the hall of fame. Some of those are executives, right? So it would make yeah. sense. They didn't have cards. Um, but only a handful of players have cards because you had to have the confluence of events of traveling in a Latin American country at the time that cards were being issued, which was haphazard. So you have to collect, you know, photos, which are also rare because they're expensive again, um, you know, to manufacture back in the day and not a lot of, you know, people would buy them. Um, so you know, there's not as many photos as you'd find of MLB. And then you have a few bats and, um, and, and very few, in fact, Yogi Berra, this, this bat actually comes from uh, the Yogi Berra Museum who Yogi Berra put together a string of, um, of, of Negro League bats because, uh, you know, in, to homage to these amazing players. Very cool. Yeah. Um, talk about Buck O'Neill a little bit. I think he, I, I, I'll, I'll reference that Ken Burns again. I think he really came to a national audience with that documentary. Such a great raconteur, such a great storyteller posthumously now going in the hall of fame. Um, was he as big a part of the league as that documentary showed? It seemed like he was a guy at all. He played, he was a manager, right? Just talk about him a little bit in the backdrop of the league itself and what he meant to it. Yeah. I mean, as a player and Buck would be the first one to tell you that he didn't mean a whole lot. I mean, right. he had a couple all-star teams. He was, he was, um, you know, a good player, yep. but you know, not even close to, you know, an elite player. And, and, and again, Buck would be the first one to, to say that, but what he was, was just an amazing person and an advocate to remember the good parts of the Negro leagues. Like we talked about, gosh, how, how sad certain aspects of the, the fact that the leagues exist is terrible but the fact that they did exist is amazing. And the baseball that was played there is amazing. And the players were amazing. So, you know, he helped everyone. To, He's kind of became, all, he became an ambassador. He became kind of, yeah, exactly. Right. That's the word. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and then they built the Negro league baseball museum, um, you know, in Kansas city, which is a great place. Um, and I think supplements the hall of fame because, you know, back to your question on, MLB have they done enough you know both MLB and and um, the Hall of Fame to my eyes moved way too slowly uh, to recognize some of the greats and there's still you know there's still lots of players that could easily make it into the Hall of Fame when you know more more you know research is done and in fact there's there, there's some books out there that talk about a number of players that really are deserving to be in there that I tend to agree with. You know, let's talk about uh, another guy that's always I found intriguing. And again, with this book coming out, uh, we've done a lot of research on him as Satchel Paige. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of statistics. I mean, you can take the Satchel Paige <laughs> statistics, throw them up in the air, catch them, and you don't know what's right. Inclu what's including his age. Including his exactly. age, by the way. Exactly. What's facts, what's fiction. But Al, I'll tell you a story. You probably know this story, Enrico. It, uh, we've talked about it. Uh, he's told, you know, he's, he's, we've talked about it on the air and he's told me a million times uh, about uh, when um, he was playing for the Red Sox, when Rico was playing for the Red Sox. And uh, was it Charlie Finley, I believe, uh, signed, um, it was the A's, Oakland A's. I think it was the A's and signed Satchel Page 
at the end of his career. I think they were in Kansas uh, City still. Kansas City, oh, it was yeah. Kansas City. I'm sorry. It was Kansas City. It wasn't Oakland. Kansas City. And, of course, uh, Satchel Paige was uh, sitting in a rocking chair, and they really promoted it. But the thing that Rico told me was that, you know, from the Red Sox perspective in the dugout, you know, they were like embarrassed. They were embarrassed. Just, you know, we, you know, this is a joke. We're not going to play. This guy's 60 years old or whatever the hell he was. And um, he pitched one inning or did he pitch two innings? I don't remember. Mm. But Rico said they were shocked. They were shocked <laughs> at the gas that the guy was throwing. I think he struck out two guys. I think Yaz was the only guy that got a hit him off. Uh, a hit off him, as a matter of fact. Rico said that it was jaw dropping the gas that this guy had at sixty year of sixty one years old. How good was Satchel Page? Oh, you know, I think I think. I mean, again, I didn't see these guys play, so all you can do is what you read. But but guess what? Not just one person saw Satchel Page play. Hundreds of thousands, millions of people saw him. And when you become the standard, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, Ray Brown was as good as Satchel Paige or Smokey Joe Williams was, you know, as good as Satchel Paige. You know, when you are the standard, you're the best. Yeah. Right? And and I think that when everybody's comparing, you know, themselves to you, you you just you are the legend for a reason. And so he was absolutely you know, amazing. It's so sad. He got to the majors late. Unfortunately, there's also no, you know, Negro league cards of him. You know, there's just like this leaf card, you know, he's got Bauman cards, but I own um, that card. I love that card. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, it's a great, one of my favorites. Yeah. Short print. And you know, it's, um, it's just not, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's sad that there weren't other cards of him and it's sad that we didn't get to see him, you know, in his prime. I mean, he was, you know, still good. <laughs> when he's playing pitching for the Indians and, and, and Browns on a relative basis, cause he's in his late forties at, at, at that point. So, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's again, one of the travesties I think JM was mentioning that, you know, earlier, you, you only saw the back end of his career and um, you know, this, the same could be said for, you know, some of Minnie Minoso's best years were actually in the Negro leagues and the, in the Cuban leagues, as well as Monty Irvin, who both, you know, yeah. thank God Minnie Minoso finally gets in the, in the hall of fame, but you know, there's a big chunk of super amazing performance prior to, uh, you know, him. Yeah, getting- I, I never realized that. Talk about the registry. Yeah. So what is your, the, your representation in the PSA uh, set registry? Yeah. So I have um, a lot of the most important sets, uh, early sets, especially come out of, of Cuba and they have, um, you know, most of the stars, Oscar Charleston, Cristobal Torriente, you know, all Hall of Famers and a lot of other players that should likely be in the Hall of Fame over time. And so, you know, I've put together uh, complete sets of pretty much all of these issues. And now I have them on the PSA registry. And uh, so people, if they're not familiar with those cards, they can go and see what these cards look like. I've uploaded scans for them if, if people are interested. I'm also doing the... Um, I have a top 10 Negro league card for the showcase that, that PSA registry is doing for the, the, uh, the May event. And, you know, I just think that it's important that people know that some of these cards even exist because, you know, they're, they're not, they're not common. So here, here's an example of a, of an Oscar Charleston, Agalitas card. Um, here's a Josh Gibson card from uh, the Toloteros issue. Very cool. Hey, and Al, PSA, are there are there any stats on those cards? 
No, there's the back the, there, or anything. No, no stats on any of the yeah. uh, Negro League cards. Um, so yeah, that's that's because I know little... I know Negro League stats are a mystery. I was wondering maybe if the cards happen to chronicle anything, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah they they don't. Um, and in fact, you know, all of these were were issued in in Latin America, so they'd be stats for that specific league, even if they did. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which which haven't been recognized. By MLB as official stats, but it, it doesn't mean that they didn't happen, right? Yeah. Like, uh, and you know you the know. other thing is we talked about earlier, you know, the injustice done is that it was it was such racism based on skin color because even dark skinned Latinos weren't allowed to play in major league. It absolutely. wasn't just it wasn't just oh we don't want you know African Americans playing where they didn't call African Americans then, but you know, so like David Ortiz wouldn't have been allowed to play absolutely in, the, in major right. league baseball, but a lighter skinned Latino would have been allowed. I mean, it was just such blatant skin color prejudice. It's sad. It really is. You know, because yeah, you, you're no, naming you, off a lot of players who who aren't African American. They're Latino. You know, absolutely right. Al, okay, so I'm going to ask the fifty thousand dollar question: the four or five top Negro League players of all time, in your estimation? Hmm. I mean, you gotta have Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson, right? Now. Those, those those are the players that Major League Baseball tends to focus on when you see like, you know, um, Black History Month, for instance, sure. in February. Right. So I wish we'd kind of go a level deeper. I mean, I think you you've got to you have to have Oscar Charleston on your list. I mean, I think that that um, even Bill James had him as like the fifth best player ever. I mean, <laughs> let that sink in. Yeah. You know, Fifth wow. best player, you know, other and most people consider him to be the best Negro League player ever, even ahead of uh, Gibson and, and Satchel Page. So he's a center fielder. Um, you know, I think after after him, you have to say who else was elite, like possibly the best at the position ever. And so I'd probably say Pop Lloyd was was the best, you know, shortstop. Um, and you know, Honest Wagner would say he he was super, you know, happy to be. Um, equated to him as a yeah. peer because he was really amazing. And if you see pictures of this man's hands, I mean, they were, they, they, you can just feel the power. Cool. It's amazing. You know, and then I, you know, I, I'd actually probably say in this time of like Shohei, you know, Otani, you know, I, I think super underrated Martin DeHigo, like he could play every position. One year he won the best pitcher in the league and the best batter uh, in Mexico, which is just crazy to think about. Um, Another guy in the same ilk was uh, Bullet Joe Rogan, who doesn't have any cards, but you know he he also was was just an all around you know player who who pitched and was a uh, was you know batted cleanup. So you know I think that uh, you know those are probably six names, and and it has a mix of the names that you know, but also some names that 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 maybe you don't. But you know I think when you start to get into the stories and and see how these guys uh, performed and and see the statistics and read the newspaper articles. You know, these guys were just, these guys were amazing. Yep. Yep, no doubt. I mean, again, you look at it and the, uh, the you know, the travesty that they were not allowed to play. Um, when, you, when you talk about the Negro Leagues, and I mentioned this before, they were really, they were companies. You know, they were, they were actual companies. They were businesses that were run. But you made a great point earlier when you said uh, there's not a lot of bitterness and I think that the the guys who didn't make it, obviously, you know, Josh Gibson, his life didn't didn't end well, and who knows how much of that was about depression over what he was blocked from doing. But for the most part, they were like, you know what, it happened when it happened, and Jackie was the guy, and that opened the floodgates for you know, Monty Irvin's a guy that they said might have been the first one. 
So I don't think there is a lot of bitterness. It's more like we did it. And those guys know that they laid the foundation, not only for Jackie Robinson, but for every player that came after him. Your thoughts on that, El? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, they, they, they see it as unfortunate, clearly, yep. you know, so there were many lost, lost dreams, um, but it was something beautiful. The Negro leagues were beautiful and they did set the, set the tone for, for African-American participation, very successful participation yes. in major league baseball, you know, thereafter, but you know, the, 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 the racism didn't go away. I mean, you know, oh. we see Aaron, the, the, the death threats and, and there's probably, you know, it still probably exists to, today to certain extents. Although, you know, I think that um, that we've made tremendous strides in documenting, you know, this important history as as well as, you know, improving society to be, you know, more just. You know, when you when you when you think about some of the things you just said relative to that, and you go back to Jackie Robinson, it was just amazing, you know, how some of his his teammates, you know, when, when he, when he got, you know, when he signed, I mean, some, some of the greatest ball players of that era had, didn't, you know, they didn't want anything to do with yeah, them. You're right. You know, it's, uh, it's just, it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing story and an amazing dynamic. Um, but you know, something it's, uh, it's, it's gotten much better. The, correct me if I'm wrong guys, both, but he, there's, there, there are really not many, black ball players in in the majors today correct i mean there is there's it seems as though there's very few of them yeah and i don't know the percentages we could certainly look it up but i mean i think latino players you know have have come in and dominated the game over the last few years and that's why programs like rbi you know rebuilding baseball in inner cities i think they're trying to get you'd Mm -hmm. see look baseball is not basketball you need a ball on a court track right. you just need yeah. a pair of sneakers baseball you still need equipment so in some of the inner Good cities point. where you know they're somewhat impoverished it's hard to get it and look now everything's changed with aau teams and that cost money you know forget Good about point. even inner cities some people in the suburbs can't afford to do it so i like that baseball's outreaching like that but i think there's a you know a good mix now i'm not gonna you know i'm not a sociologist but you're right i mean the number of african-american players has certainly gone down over the years, Zap. So, I mean, I yeah. think Al said it earlier. There's still work to do. There's still work yeah, and to you know, do. I, and you know? and the, there's there's more competition, right? I mean, you can and be, there's more competition, you, right? And you can you can play right. in the NFL. You can play in the NBA. That's a good point. And Al, it's it's harder to get to the major leagues, right? I mean, every all everyone goes from college or high school to to basketball or to football, even not so much high school, but baseball. You seldom see a player go without any time in the minors right to the majors and be successful. It's harder to do. It's a harder game. It is. Hey, Al, before we let you go, a couple of things. As you know, we taped the show. Uh, the show will be on uh, Wednesday, uh, which is uh, tomorrow. We're now taping the show on Tuesdays, by the way, for our viewers and listeners. That's a little behind the curtain thing. <laughs> tomorrow night, if you can join us, uh, you know, while the show is airing, uh, because we you know, communicate with all the people watching. So they may have some questions that you can answer. Uh, on Facebook Live tomorrow night on the uh, PSA Facebook page. That would be awesome just to be there and hang out with us and uh, maybe answer some questions that we can't. If you want to go see some of this wonderful collection, you can go on to the PSA set registry page. Correct, Al? Yeah, yeah. You can see uh, at the set registry and you can, you know, either search by uh, the the set names like, uh, you know, Biakins, Agalitas, Nacionales, 
uh, or you can you can check my uh, user ID, which is just my name, uh, Al Dragella, just one word, not, not too exciting. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. We very enjoyable, very informative, and even JM learned something. Go Eagles. Go Eagles. Go Eagles. <laughs> All right, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. Uh, we're going to see if we can line up Scott, Scotty Russell from the Collector Connection. Hang in there, and we'll be right back. If you're a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder, Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on the tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden Auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport. Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's, the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades. It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field, and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer, because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts, capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, courting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned. The highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auction and Collectibles Company. If you're looking to maximize your return on your sports cards and collectibles, look no further. We at Memory Lane Auction House offer you several options to achieve top dollar for your collectibles. Whether you're looking to auction or sell privately, we're the number one choice with over 17 years in the hobby. Nobody will work harder to achieve your goals. Just call us today at 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or visit us on the web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Go with the best. Go with Memory Lane. Pristine Auction is a family-owned and operated online auction specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalli and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, 
quality and premier customer service, their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to pristineauction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. With so many fakes out there, it's hard to figure out if the sneakers you want are real. But when you buy eligible sneakers on eBay, you can be confident they're genuine because every pair goes through a meticulous authentication process. Introducing eBay Authenticity Guarantee. First, the sneakers you've purchased are inspected by a team of professional authenticators who carefully examine the shoes, including color, pattern, logos, and materials. Then they're measured and compared to the eBay listing to make sure they match. Even the laces, accessories, and box are checked. Once your sneakers are verified, they receive an authenticity tag, and every tag is NFC-enabled so you can see the detailed specs. eBay Authenticity Guarantee. No fakes, no fraud, no doubt. And eBay is the place to go for all of your memorabilia, sports or non-sports cards, autographs, and much more. Whether it's a gift for that special someone or you just want to add to your collection, eBay's huge marketplace should be your first stop. And if you sell, now's the time to flip those cards and get some extra cash. I shop on eBay all the time. That's eBay connecting buyers and sellers globally. You know, Jam, I think it would be a very nice gesture on your part <laughs> to uh, buy me a welcome home present when I get there in a couple of weeks uh, on eBay. Buy I, something for me on eBay. I'm going to get you something nice. I have a $7 gift card, and I will spend every bit of that money to get you something nice. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. <laughs> and before we bring Scott on, I want to talk about our good friend Joe Drellick and the CSA Show. CSA Show is proud to present the Chantilly Show being held on April 1st to April 3rd, held at the Dulles Expo Center in Chantilly, Virginia. Just minutes from the Dulles International Airport, celebrating over 25 years at the same location, there will be over 300 dealer tables exhibiting over 100,000 square feet of space, JM. Yeah. With both vintage sports cars and memorabilia, as well as modern-day sports treasures, you won't have to look very far for that special card, bat, ball, or autograph. Major auction houses and third-party grading companies will be on site to assist you with your collecting and authentication needs. Some of the great players, you asked, J.M., that are going to be there. Who are some of the great players that are going to be there? Glad you asked. Hall of Famer, Chris Carter, Jim Kelly, Barry Sanders. You notice there's like a football thing That's there. a great group Emmett right Smith, there. Yeah. Along wow. with Super Bowl champ Tony Dorsett and our own Patriots running back Damian Harris. And, of course, many, many more. For more information, go to csashows.com. That's the Chantilly the Chantilly Show. <laughs> where you can find all of your sports collector's treasures. All right, let's bring in our good friend, Scott Russell from the Collector Connection. Mr. Russell, how are you? Hey. Nice shirt. Oh, thank you. You know, what I, you know what I like about this, Zap? So we have all What's these that? guests on, and they're in the business, and some guys have these real high-priced collectibles on the wall <laughs> behind them. That's a working office right there. Okay. You know, Look, Hold on. Look he's got I, the I'm boxes thinking, back I, there. I, Look, I mean, that's a working office I right there for Scott. That. That's a staged set <laughs> that he's on. Uh, I wish I had the time to stage Look it. at those boxes <laughs> tilted. There's 
nine piled up on top of each other. He's working in there. Our man is working. I, well, Scott, I, I mean, it gets worse if I get out of the way. Oh, my God. Don't do that. <laughs> All right, Scott, you've got a, you've got a great auction going on. Uh, the Post-Wash Sports Collectibles and collect, Collectibles Auction uh, started on the 16th, ends on the 3rd. I'm going through it this morning. I went through some of the, you've got, you're like all over the place. You've got a little of everything. Tell us about it. Well, you know, that's with our post-war auctions. That is what we do. Um, this one has a bit of an unopened theme. So there's some really cool unopened items. Uh, BBCE wrapped 78 tops football box. So you pull your door set and your stallworth rookies out of that one. Uh, an 82 Donruss golf box, which hmm. even though it's the second year, it's the much harder of the two Donruss golf boxes. And that's also BBC rap. But we've got everything from uh, packs like 81 football cellos with, you know, possible Montana, Monk, and Winslow uh, to cases. So there's, there's, again, a little bit of everything. And then there's our normal run of, you know, there's some great 70s foot, football and baseball sets. Yep. Uh, singles like a 68 top Seaver and nine. Yeah, uh, saw that. You know, a little bit of everything. You have some great players in there. You mentioned Seaver. You've got Peyton Manning cards, Willie Mays, Kyle Yastrzemski, uh, you know, Bob Feller, Roy Campanella, Yogi Berra, Gil Hodges. I mean, this really, we always say it, it's cliche. There is something for everyone there, and the price ranges vary. There is something yeah. for everyone in terms of their, you know, their, their finances and their budget as well, right? Yeah, I mean, we get the, the heavy hitters buying, you know, the 10, 20, up to $50,000 cards yep. at our auctions, but we always have, a nice selection of, you know, let's say, twenty to fifty dollar items. There's a uh, there's a thirty four dollar Eddie Casco card I'm getting for Zap because I know what a hey, big Eddie Casco fan be knocking, he was. Don't be knocking Eddie Casco, all right? Don't I think knocking. that's actually the yellow letter variation, though. It's a yeah, right. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you're really, I'm looking at, obviously, I'm, I'm looking, that's why I'm looking here. I'm looking at, uh, at, your, at the site and looking at some of the auction items. And, you know, Scott, you've always taken uh, the, the position that you start all the bids at five bucks, correct? Uh, our highest starting bid is twenty five. Okay, but, uh, but no reserve, no minimum. Right. Bottom bottom line is, as you know, I'm looking at this. There really is a little something for everyone here, for the budget minded guy to the high roller. There's all I kinds know, of yeah. And we make a big deal about you know, if you're looking to complete your set, you don't want to buy a lot of forty cards to get the two you need. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. No, it's a it's a very 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 cool set. What are you seeing? Uh, in the auction world at this snapshot in time, Scott, I mean, has, have, have things picked up? Are they stable? Have they gone down? Um, what is I'm, I'm certainly seeing the, you know, the top vintage baseball is still moving. It you is. Know, yeah, that's it good really to know. is. Basketball has definitely cooled a lot from this time last year when it was at its absolute crazy peak. Yep. Um, our last auction was a bit of a basketball theme, and, and I wish we'd had it last year. <laughs> um, but, you know, everything else seems to be pretty stable. Uh, you know, uh, the other, the the gaming cards, TCGs like Pokemon, and yeah, that, yeah. they're definitely down also. There have been a couple of big sales recently, and maybe that's picking back up again. Are you, you, see, are you seeing any? We've got about three minutes. Yeah. What's, what's real interesting? You're hitting something on the head about the vintage baseball. You know, I, I was a little, a lot of vintage collectors were a little concerned about a year ago at this time with the with the influx of the modern and ultra modern cards. But it looks like vintage uh, vintage has uh, remained strong. Yeah, I mean, Cobb is setting a new record every time he sells. Ruth is setting a new record every time he sells, and then some of their lesser issues like strip cards or. 
T201s or whatever, they're starting to move. You know, they're, they're actually gaining ground because people can't afford to get into the T206s anymore or the 33 Gaudis anymore in the case of Ruth. Very so cool. you're seeing things like exhibits and, and whatnot go up. Scott, are you seeing any preference shift from complete sets as opposed to buying individual cards? I still, you know, we do definitely have a large contingent of, of set builders who shop our auctions. So yeah. I know there's, they're still out there. Um, the pre-war, I know there's a lot of people who kind of throwing their hands in the air because some of the big cards have gotten out of the range. Of, crazy, you know, the crazy. Working schmo. Um, so they're, but they're refocusing. They're still doing, okay, I'm going to do team lots or I'm going to do Hall of Fame lots. Or yeah. Gonna, so they're still, they're creating their own subsets and still buying that way. So they're still trying to fulfill a goal, but the goal may not be a 520 monster. Sure. Anymore. Sure. Good point. You know, I've been using Scott, not just Scott, but I've, I've taken my, I, JM, you know this, I've taken my <clears throat> entire collection, just dwindling it down. I mean, I, I've had cards that I've had for years and years and years that are in boxes, and I'm just kind of distributing. We're not talking high-end cards, but, you know, decent cards. Scott has some. I gave some to Al Crisofoli. I gave some to Lee Behrens. And I'm just going to continue to do that, Scott. Use you guys to, to get the to well, get it done. Two of my favorite guys in the hobby, so. Good guys. Yeah, right. Right, listen, before we let you go, here's our Rico Petroselli signed 1967 photo. This week's winner is out of the Staten Island Joe bag. What do we got? Dean Carlson. Carlson. Dean Carlson. Dean Carlson, uh, not related to Murray Carlson, who I went to grammar school with. Or Arthur uh, Carlson from WKRP in Cincinnati. Good, good point. Dean, <laughs> you, know, you know how it works. You have a week to get back to us. Email me, message us, do whatever you got to do. If I don't hear from you in one week, you're out. <laughs> Scott, what is your website address? Real simple, www.thecollectorconnection.com. I listen, this is, uh, go on to the site. Absolutely. April 3rd, which is in just a couple of days. Great auction. Uh, it's a great auction. There's a little something there for everyone. Lots Scott, of we love, we love, still. we love having you and uh, sorry for the mix up last week. I knew you uh, fell asleep, but that's <laughs> okay. That, that was my mix up, not yours. <laughs> not a problem. With that being said, JM, have a great week. Uh, Good hey, to be with uh, you, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to see you in a couple of weeks. I'm actually going to be sitting with you in a couple of weeks. I cannot wait. You know what I'll do next week? Maybe next week, I'll, if you want to come in, I'll get you in with Rico, you and Petroselli. Oh, sing, that'd be fun. And then I'll come from here. We'll I'd love see. to do that. It depends on what kind of a mood I'm in. Okay. <laughs> with that being said, David, thanks. A great job as usual. Uh, Chrissy, as always, a uh, great job. To our viewers and listeners, we love you all. And happy collecting. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.